0: Happy offseason, Winnipeg Jets fans, and it's not going to be an off season for much longer as we're rolling up on not only preseason, but the regular NHL season here in a few weeks. But of course, in between, not only are the Jets making moves, but plenty of teams have been trying to load up, and the Pittsburgh Penguins have shocked everyone by acquiring Eric Carlson. How does this change the rest of the trade market, and what does it signal for the upcoming season? We'll dive into all of that on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Good evening, Jets fans, and welcome to this episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and YouTube Doing so, of course, is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash NHL or enter promo code NHL for a free white tech hat with any order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, we promise you. Now, moving right along to, uh, of course, the meat of today's episode. Like I said, um, things might be a little bit quiet with the Jets, but it's certainly not quiet with the rest of the NHL. The league is making moves, and the biggest one, of course, just happened a couple of days ago with the San Jose Sharks trading uh, Eric Carlson to the Pittsburgh Penguins. And this ended up being um, a bit of a three way trade. You know, the Montreal Canadiens got involved and they netted themselves like a 2025 second round pick uh, Casey DeSmith, Jeff Petrie, and Nathan Lagare. Um, obviously, you look at this, and the majority of this whole trade package is just a couple of guys who eat up roster spots and maybe a future to deal with some cat movements. So not a lot for Montreal. San Jose uh, ended up sending, um, you know, Eric Carlson, Rem Pit- Pitlick, and Dylan Himalyuk. And then, of course, Pitlick gets, I think, flipped to another team. So, I mean, this is like a strange deal, right? Because what did Pittsburgh actually give up for um, Eric Carlson? When you actually look at it, not that much. They traded Jan Ruta, Mike Hoffman, Mikhail Gronland and a 2024 first-round pick in exchange for Eric Carlson. Now, Carlson's got several years left on this deal, and I think the important thing to remember is, you know, for the, the Sharks, right, his contract having like four years of term left is kind of an eyesore, especially with a single big cap hit. So there's a couple of ways to skin this cat, and I think the first way that you can kind of look at this is that Pittsburgh won in a massive trade. They're kind of at the end of their core. Crosby, Malkin, that whole team, they really don't have much time left with that core. And if you're basically swinging for the fences, you're cashing in all of your chips, you're selling all of you know, whatever it is that you think you've got in store. Chasing after Eric Carlson is a like home run kind of move. But fascinatingly, did not cost them a home run, partly because Carlson's on the older side. He's got a ton of term and that contract and cap hit are not great for where he is in his career. All that said, he just put up one of the best uh, seasons we've seen from not only Carlson, but just an offensive defender in general. Monster season. He's likely to be a huge offensive boost for a Penguins team that, quite frankly, needs the jump. So, you know, in a lot of ways, I think the the Pens did really well here. I feel like they didn't give up too much. You know, a 2024 first-round pick is probably nothing to be too upset about and uh, obviously Groundland, ruta all those guys not a lot you know going for any of them i think you could consider them almost dead cap in some ways players who you know do bring some level of value but nowhere near uh the kind of value that carlson will bring in a predominantly offensive role especially if he joins the power play right this this is uh <laughs> it's a massive move this is a game-changing move for the penguins is it going to be enough to save their season? I don't know. That team has a lot of other depth issues uh, that have cropped up over the years, so it's hard to say that this is going to turn their season around. But I think it's interesting to see this from San Jose's perspective because, on the one hand, San Jose kind of got hosed. They really didn't get much in exchange for Carlson, but I also wonder if they could even demand much because his cap hit's massive. They didn't want to retain salary. And the other situation that you're kind of looking at here is Groundland, Ruta... Um, all of those guys, Hoffman as well, they all expire in one to two years. So essentially, you just got yourself two years of extra cap space, which could be helpful, especially if you want to use that cap space. Maybe uh, take on a couple of short-term bad contracts for teams and net some more futures out of it. I feel like if they moved some of those deals that they acquired now already, maybe even eat a little bit of salary, you could potentially add a few more uh, futures or, or prospects or something to a pool that's you know growing slowly, but. By the same token, I also kind of wonder, could they have done better? And I I still think that's going to be the lingering question that kind of follows Mike Greer around. What is kind of funny is that you now know that, uh, you know, the trade market might be a little bit rough for big deals, and it's probably why the Jets are not going to be able to move Nate Schmidt or Neil Pionk unless they're willing to uh, potentially take a bit of a loss or something, right? For Schmidt's deal, I think you'd have to pay another team to take his salary on. Pionk, I don't know how other teams view him. I think he's kind of, for me, a bit of an unknown, not that I, I imagine that the assessment is like glowing right now, but I do wonder if teams still see him as a really good attacking blue liner, right? Somebody with a great shot, a lot of good edge work, uh, uh, you know, a solid passing acumen, and maybe they are willing to overlook some of the defensive issues that he has in exchange for the raw offensive tool set that he brings. But overall, I feel like the, the trade market is is looking not great. I still think the Jets honestly have had the best uh, trade of the entire offseason. I mean, the Dubois thing for the assets that Winnipeg got back, that deal has really aged well. It's continued to age well. It was good when it happened. And I feel like, you know, all I can say is if that's your big takeaway from summer of Chevy, well, you had a pretty okay summer compared to a lot of other teams. Now, obviously, the summer of Chevy could get a lot better if he is able to figure out what to do with the defense. But overall, you know, I can't really complain. I, I think I look at a lot of these other deals that have gone down, you know, the Carlson trade and some of the other stuff. And, you know, it just seems like it's it's hard to move salary. It's hard to bring on anyone of quality. And it seems like teams are a little bit, you know, skittish around making some some big deals. So we'll see if Winnipeg is, is still in the mood to do something here, especially with Shifley and Hellebuck still kind of in limbo. Speaking of which, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, how quiet it's been with the Jets and whether that's a good sign or maybe something to be a little bit concerned about in just a little bit. But before we go any further, I do want to shout out our friends and partners at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs are, of course, a super comfortable pair of pants. Uh, They've got plenty of types. But, you know, predominantly a lot of folks love their stretch khaki shorts, which are great for, you know, hitting the greens, maybe hitting the town with your friends during summer. They hug your uh, thighs and give you a nice slimmer look and, you know, add a little bit of definition, right? Because who doesn't love showing off some good quads? Bird dogs also give you a lot of comfort and they're made with anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. So you won't have any of those uncomfortable scents coming down from below. Men, you probably know what I'm talking about. And, uh, of course... As always, they are very stretchy, very comfortable, and they just want to help you not only look good, but feel good. So throw out some of those old, stiff cotton shorts that you've got hanging around, the one with like 10 holes that you've held onto for the last 20 years, and opt for a set of bird dogs. And if you're ready to get started, go to birddogscom locked on NHL. Or enter promo code lockdown NHL at checkout for a free white tech cat with your order. That's birddogs.com slash lockdown or promo code lockdown NHL at checkout for a free white tech cat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off, I promise you. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Lockdown Winnipeg Jets, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Everydayers, thank you so much for rejoining us in tonight's episode as we continue to talk about. Uh, the off-season around the NHL and and you know, more specifically now, we want to focus on Winnipeg's offseason because it's been pretty quiet recently. Uh, obviously, Rosmus Kapari was like the last thing the Jets really did. Winnipeg resigned him for two years at two million. We talked about that, and why I think he might still be a little bit of a sleeper agent, right? Something for the Jets to consider and maybe munch on. Uh, maybe giving him a more prominent role. I, I, I think he's still got something. To offer the Jets, maybe kind of Morgan Barron style where, you know, the previous organization saw him in a depth role, but maybe he's able to carve out a bigger role, really prove himself in some capacity that's uh, more impressive and, and earn more ice time. But after that, you know, the big thing right now for the Jets still remains Shifley and Hellebuck, and there really hasn't been any movement. The media is dead quiet. It doesn't seem like the Jets are all that actively trading and shopping them. And so it kind of makes you wonder heading into the season, is Winnipeg prepared to just keep them on the team throughout the rest of the year? I feel like it's, it's really going to depend on the playoff seeding. but I I also see Winnipeg being very much focused on this idea of um, trying to convince players like Hellebuck and Shifley to resign. I think of the two Hellebuck would probably be the guy that I would prioritize resigning. And that's not really a slight on Mark Shifley, it's more that Hellebuck is so good at what he does and plays such an elite premium position uh, that I, I do wonder if he's the guy who makes the most sense, which kind of goes against the common grain of logic. I tend to think, you know, locking in with goalies is complicated. You you don't want to commit a ton of cap space to them because at the end of the day, you win a hockey game by scoring goals. And that's where Shifley really holds a competitive edge. And it's why I think on paper, there's a really solid argument for uh, Shifley to be the guy that you extend. But I look at it, you know, the relationship side of things, how, you know, Shifley has been over the past couple of years. And the fact that I don't really know if he's on the same page with management, you know, all of that makes me think that not only would he not really be interested in signing a deal, but honestly, I don't know that the Jets should be all that interested in signing him long-term either I think both sides kind of need that change in direction that change of scenery. I feel like y- you've kind of seen the best of Mark and that's kind of where it's going to be for the rest of his career. If you were to m- remain in Winnipeg, um, he's willing to follow leaders and, and players uh, that he thinks are, are really setting the right example. And so far with the jets, I don't really feel that that's really been um, something that he sees with his team. So It'd be nice if he goes somewhere and really kind of rekindles his passion for hockey. I feel like the past couple of years, there have been some moments where you, you see him really excited and happy and enthusiastic, but other moments where he just seems to be going through the motions. And like, I get it. I think in his position, I don't entirely blame him for having the thoughts and feelings that he does, uh, especially with how this team hasn't exactly made the most of his prime. In terms of Hellebuck, uh, you know, it's a really dicey situation because if you lock in Hellebuck, you're basically committing to, uh, at worst, like mid-level prospect picks if you're in the first round. And, you know, if the Jets are trying to think about the long term, it probably behooves them to get higher draft picks by not being as good. And with Hellebuck, you just can't do that, right? Helle is just too good to be uh, the kind of player who's going to force your team to tank. So, yeah, I mean, that's a really tough question. Like selfishly, the fan in me desperately wants him to come back on a long-term deal, really wants to see him essentially retire a Jet. I just, you know, I have a really hard time imagining him wearing somebody else's jersey. I mean, I've always identified him as a Winnipeg player, as a Jet, as a guy who I thought was going to be getting himself a statue outside MTS one day. Uh, obviously, that's a little bit high, you know, hyperbolic, but... By the same token, I mean the dude is a monster. Uh he seems like he's on a good pathway towards one day ending up in the Hall of Fame as one of the great, you know, one of the greatest goalies ever ever. Whether, you know, people will, will agree with that and really look into the stats enough to see that he's been such a beast for the Jets is debatable, right? But at least in terms of his track record and stuff and, and a lot of what he's already accomplished, yeah, I mean he he is the guy. What I do kind of worry about, though, is that the Jets are going to let all of these questions that I have just sit out there until the trade deadline, you know, maybe end up keeping both players and kind of wondering if they miss the boat at the end of the season when both walk for free. If the Jets somehow hoist a cup out of all of it, I ain't complaining. They can walk and go into free agency, and I really won't care. Because as long as the Jets get the cup, that's the main thing, right? But if they don't end up being very useful internal rentals, you start to ask questions about the asset management here and whether the Jets kind of overcook their hand. I I do worry about that. I'm trying not to think about it too much. Obviously, the season is rolling up, but, uh, you know, it is is a lingering question. The Jets haven't resolved it, and I'm sure the front office kind of rolls in bed at night wondering the same thing. Are we ever going to sort this out? But it is what it is. At least in the meantime, we've got preseason coming up, and I want to talk about a couple of things that I think I'm really keeping an eye out for for preseason just because, you know, This is a great chance for the Jets to kind of hit a reset button, especially after the rather sour and bitter end that last season uh, kind of went out on. Hello, friends, and welcome back to these closing thoughts on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Every day, thank you so much as we are just uh, wrapping up a few closing thoughts mainly talking about, you know, the the offseason so far. It's been quiet for the Jets, not so quiet for other teams. Uh, If you saw that Tom Wilson deal, good Lord, Washington, what are you doing? Uh, And then, of course, Eric Carlson, like we talked about earlier, going to Pittsburgh, big deal for the Pens. The Jets haven't really done anything like that after the the Dubois deal, which, fair enough, that's a pretty massive, game-changing, landscape-altering deal for the Jets. But uh, I guess heading into preseason, assuming that this is – Basically, most of what the Jets are planning to do this offseason preseason has a lot of intrigue this year, uh, in part because Winnipeg is kind of dealing with a number of players and prospects who, quite frankly, have been borderline for a, a long time. Ville uh, Heinola, I think this is probably his last big chance to show to the brass that he deserves a chance at uh, you know a full-time NHL role. And even if he had a strong camp, it's hard to imagine the Jets making a spot for him what with the, the current roster maybe not being ideal to uh, ship out defenders. You know, they, they've got some contracts that, quite frankly, are going to be tough to move. Uh, Logan Stanley, I think, is another guy that has kind of been on the outs. I really feel like he just needs a change of scenery. You know, I, I I think he's is what he is. You know, he's a seventh defender. I think, you know, he'd go to another team and essentially be the same thing. I don't think it's going to be like uh, Kovacevic, where he went to Montreal and actually did pretty well. I think Stanley has enough limitations to where what we saw in winnipeg is basically what you're going to see wherever else he goes so i wouldn't mind recruiting a pick for him at this point i don't even care what it would be just find yourself a way to get an asset out of him um i i think that that's just better for all parties involved because he's not going to have the role that he thinks he deserves with the jets I'd also be curious to know how Chisholm, um, Heinola, and and Sandberg really fight out for those last spots. In my mind, Sandberg is very clearly the choice right now. Heinola would be great on a third-pairing role, but I don't really see that happening, in part because there's just no spots, and, you know, would you really be making the most of his puck-moving ability? Probably not. I think you really want him on the power play, and I don't know if Bones necessarily agrees with that yet, so we'll see. Uh, Up front, you know, obviously Brad Lambert, I think, is one of the most exciting prospects in the Jets' pool, but... You know, his pro tenure so far, at least in North America, has been a little bit modest. Uh, not not quite that dissimilar from what happened in uh, Finland, but I will say when he was with the Latsi Pelicans, the Pelicans were just really badly coached. So that could have certainly had an impact. But I think in terms of um, his first few games with the Moose, I think he's still obviously getting over uh, the adjustment and, and you know, the North American pro game being a pretty tough one, uh, especially for a teenager. Going to the WHO really definitely, you know, really, really pushed his confidence forward. I think he'll have a strong camp. I still think he's at least a year away, maybe two. But if he has a strong preseason and he proves that he's ready to really take on a a bigger role with the organization, hey, maybe he makes the team out of camp. That'd be amazing, but I'm not putting stock in it. I think the one thing that I think I would really like to see uh, when it comes to the younger forwards and stuff, though, is. Who's playing the second-line center? Is it going to be Perfetti? Is it going to be Vlardy? Who is anchoring that 2C role? Uh, Nemesnikov can technically do it, but I don't really feel like uh, a contender should have him in that role. Look, I like Nemesnikov. I think he's a really solid player, but I think you want a little more offensive potential and skill, uh, especially in your top six, right? Because, like, Shifley's probably going to have the number one slot unless he gets traded. Um, and, And then you've got, like, Ehlers and maybe i don't know somebody else anchoring those wing spots the second line center then you've got like perfetti and, and velardi Ayafalo at a stretch if you really wanted to do that i don't really necessarily see that being the case Ayafalo has mostly played out wide recently i don't even remember if he's like played center uh, on a routine basis all that recently so um yeah you know I, I i wonder maybe he's done it with the kings i don't recall that closely i know he has played center at one point but probably not in a second-line role uh, that the Jets would need to ask of him. So, yeah, Winnipeg has a lot of flexibility up front, but I do sort of wonder how they're going to arrange it. And if Perfetti's able to really become Winnipeg's 2C of the future and perhaps one day the 1C, that's, like, for me, the best-case scenario. I think Velarde would also do a really good job there, but I think in terms of what Perfetti's skill sets bring down the middle versus what his game is out wide – I just feel like he's more naturally suited to the center role. And we know that Velarde is already a really good winger. So, you know, you really can't go wrong. And you also know that at some point, if Velarde sticks around and Shifley doesn't, well, there you've got Shifley or there you've got uh, Perfetti and Velarde down the middle as your top six centers. No questions anymore. So a lot of fun stuff for the preseason Jets to figure out. Preseason really is rolling up here pretty soon. It's not too far from September. So get ready, Jets fans. We are rolling up on the offseason. Give me your most exciting things for preseason that you're hoping for. What are you looking out for? Who are you keeping an eye on? Drop your uh, players to watch or or your things to watch and themes to watch in the comments below or at my social medias at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. But for tonight's show, that is going to be all the time that we have. I thank you so much for making Lockdown Jets your first listen of the day. I'll see you back here tomorrow. And we'll also have a quick update on our special guest who, if all goes well, will be joining us next Tuesday. But... Like I said, for tonight's show, that's all the time that we have. Thank you so much for having a great uh, night and, and see you tomorrow.